The Phylogeny Explorer project is an attempt to render the entire taxonomic tree of life as a navigable online encyclopedia. It's an educational endeavor because the systematic classification of life is the single strongest evidence there ever was for evolution, but it's a subject very few people know much about. So as director of that project, I promised to make a series of short videos explaining monophyletic phylogenetic taxonomy by spotlighting a few particular clades. This first episode of that series is a bit of an exception to that because it is also an introductory primer to the whole idea. Darwin admitted that there hadn't been any transitional species discovered in the fossil record by his time, but he knew they would be. And the first one, the poster child of all of them, was discovered just a couple years later. So Darwin knew that his theory had already been vindicated while he was still alive. And scientists have since discovered hundreds more transitional species, even according to the strictest definition of that word. But if none of these had ever been discovered before Darwin published his landmark theory, then how could he have predicted that they ever would be discovered? The first attempt to classify all living things was Systema Naturae, published in 1735 by Carolus Linnaeus, a Swedish physician, botanist, and zoologist with a better understanding of the comparative anatomy of all life forms than anyone else up to that time. But when he tried to classify what he thought to be different kinds of life, he soon discovered that there were no distinctly separate uh, collection of categories. Instead, everything was arranged in a hierarchy of parent and daughter groups, implying multiple lineages of common descent. Linnaeus lived a century before Darwin, and he had no concept of evolution. In his day, it was thought that species were immutable, unchanging. So when he discovered what already looked like a taxonomic family tree, he had no way to explain it. In his time, that was a complete mystery. When Darwin realized how species could change over time, he turned to Systema Naturae with this new information, and all those nested hierarchies of Linnaean taxonomy suddenly made sense. When people can see and trace taxonomic relationships, it makes evolution so much easier to understand and impossible to argue against. Anyone who wants to try is welcome to take the phylogeny challenge, but this series is intended to help people comprehend certain signposts while navigating the tree of life, as well as getting a look into, you know, deep into geologic history. In one of our classroom supplement biology videos where I explain what we know about the origin of life, I said that according to all the paleontological evidence anyone has ever dug up, the further back in time you look, the simpler and more similar living things appear to be until there are only single cells. We've never found any trace fossils from macroscopic organisms dating back to more than 700 million years, but we do have bacterial microfossils covering another 2.8 billion years prior to the first multicellular anythings we've ever found a trace of. So that the most advanced forms of life were only microscopic and microbial for the first 80% of the history of life on this planet. It seems that most of the history of life on Earth was dedicated to developing and perfecting cell biology. It's important to remember that some of these extremely complicated processes vary or don't even exist in some of the other major lineages. Doubtless, the earliest life forms hadn't yet established all these intricate patterns. When we consider the possibilities for alien life, we contrast that with life as we know it. We typically define living things according to seven criteria, that all life that we know of is based on cells that break down nutrients to grow and reproduce. They evolve and adapt, responding to stimuli. And most importantly, living things maintain homeostasis, a balanced internal chemical environment, because when that fails, the organism dies. And there are a number of different things that match only some of these criteria. Viruses, for example. 
Viruses have RNA and some of them even have DNA. So they're very lifelike. But viruses are not considered to be alive, even though they can be killed, because they don't have to maintain their internal condition the way living things do. That's why antibiotics don't work on viruses. So how did life arise from inorganic matter? It didn't, because viruses and all possible previous stages to life are based on complex carbon chains that were already what scientists would identify as organic chemicals. So when we look at the earliest possible base of the tree of life, some taxonomists list viruses as a parallel or sister group, or possibly a derivative of protobionts, one of a few hypothetical precursors of living organisms to arise in climactic conditions entirely different than what we have on Earth today. This first and most basic division between the different domains of life is also not as simple as is represented here. Eukaryotes are understood to be a derivative of the genetics of archaea, but have also captured and incorporated simpler bacterial cells to be used as organelles in a process called endosymbiosis. One could argue that all of life is derived from bacteria, but we did not evolve from bacteria because that would imply an ancestor-descendant relationship. That doesn't always work at this level because microbes can share and transfer genetic material on contact rather than the evolutionary process of descent with inherent genetic modification. While microbes do evolve, horizontal gene transfer muddies the waters and confuses the lineages quite a bit, making it harder to determine taxonomic relations clearly. This isn't as much an issue with eukaryotes whose cells are far more complex with most familiar ones being multicellular and thus being better able to resist the overall effects of horizontal gene transfer. So the analogy of a tree of life only works consistently with multicellular eukaryotes. Some say the tree of life is more like a bush or a tumbleweed or perhaps most appropriately a banyan tree because there is no single trunk. Instead, because of the confusing network of horizontal gene transfer and endosymbiosis, the analogous tree of life appears to rise out of a matrix of interconnected webs of the genes of simpler organisms rather than just simply evolving from a single universal common ancestor.